do you know anything about like Adam Strange? No. Oh wait, is he the um the space like kind of cadet looking guy? Yeah, that's is he him. like was he like lost on an Earth, lost from Earth, and like he ends up on I don't know. Yeah, Ron. Been, I think. Yeah, he's from Ron. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, okay so I know this, a little some. <laughs> there you go. Come on. Um. So. I don't really care about any of that, but Mr. Terrific is in this book. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hello, everybody. We are back for another relaunch. I'm Ken. What's up, y'all? I'm LZ. How are you doing today, LZ? I'm good. You know, all right. I, I'm always good. Okay. <laughs> you know, I'll just, I'll just be chilling, child. I'm, you know, it's, I'm it's, always it's, good. I understand that a lot. You know, um, I feel the same. Good yeah. Day. You know, you gotta, you gotta be in a good place. You know, sometimes at least try to keep yourself in a good place. It's out okay. of here. So. <laughs> and you know what helps? comic book ain't that right ain't that right okay so um let's go ahead and get into it today now I, I had a nice little pull this week i didn't realize i had so many books how about you i did too a lot of this stuff was like kind of all over in the different like mm-hmm. kind of areas that i'm interested in so yeah mm-hmm. let's let's get into this all right so well i want to start with the first book on this list and um that is one i was really excited for future state aquaman number one okay now, this book was written by Brandon Thomas and Daniel Perry. And so Brandon Thomas also wrote the Outsiders backup in Batman. Oh, now hold on. I like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So he's like, he's two for two with me right now. It's like, I'm okay. here for it. Okay. Um, so again, I think I said this last week, the future state stories aren't really like heavy to me. Like, Yeah, they're, they're not hidden like that. It's it's an else world. It's kind of like far in the future. You take it for what it is. The story is very light, but I think this issue was very exciting in the sense that it feels like this could be where the characters are when we come back from Future State. Like where Jackson and Andy are in the younger versions, it feels very organic to where they could be should we come back to the present. Now we haven't gotten word of a new Aquaman book being announced post future state yet but I know like especially after this issue the, this creative team was getting like a lot of praise and people were like if we do the relaunch they want them to be the ones to do it and I'm here for that and I really love that okay you story. you want this creative team to stick around and, oh. and do the the do you want them to do the like Aquaman book proper or do you want them to just take over the entire Aqua corner so I would like to see the off corner. So like, especially just because of what I saw between this issue and the outsiders, like the guy's got it for me. Like I've seen him do a little bit of both. I think he'd be really good at kind of building up a world. So I wouldn't mind him doing the entire aqua corner. If it's just the Aquaman book proper where he's only got a couple of characters, I'm cool with that as well. But again, I think about where the most recent run ended, Kelly Sue kind of like dissolved the monarchies of the seven kingdoms. They put Arthur and Mira in this place of like, what were they going to do? What was going to become of Atlantis? So we had Andy, she was there, they got married. It was very fairy tale ending. So it's like, this gave the feeling of like, this is what's next. So. Jackson and Andy are kind of like off adventuring. We know that Arthur and Mara are still alive because we saw them in Justice League. Right, right. And so it's just kind of like, okay, 
let's build that up. Let's keep that going. And then the art was just fantastic. Like it was beautiful. Danielson Perry also used to do the art for Suicide Squad written by Tom Taylor with uh, Redondo. They used to pair off. Yeah, and it's just like, love it. Great act. Uh, the action was kind of like, again, but I think it was just a really nice story overall. And again, it showed like a hopefulness for the future of the Aqua franchise as a whole. So were you that invested in the story then per se? Like what was really going on in this book? Um, was it so, or just was it was it a fun adventure that Andy and Jackson were kind of going on? So basically they fall into the confluence which is like this trans cosmic Atlantic ocean portal that like can send you between time and space and all these various galaxies. So Arthur, I mean not Arthur, Jackson and Andy have kind of taken upon this time to like go to all these different worlds and just like help people and save people. And then something happens, they get chased by this big monster. It captures both of them and Andy cuts off her leg to free Jackson. To oh sure wow! So doesn't get captured. Yeah, like it's, it's you know it's, what the what the saw? Okay, it's, it's okay. So like she she clearly has her mom's like uh, water bending powers as well, and she kind of like chops that off. You know, get a little call back to Aquaman cutting off his hand for the hook hand. Okay. Um, and so as a result, Jackson gets kidnapped by like these people. He tries to break out of this prison. He's there for all these years. He tries to break out like three hundred times and fails. But then on one of the attempts, he sees this illuminated message that Aquawoman is alive. Oh. And so that kind of gives him like this regenerized energy. He's basically like, you guys have been capturing me, but that's because I was like weak. I was sad. I thought like I failed Andy. I thought I had failed Arthur. I didn't take care of her. I didn't know what to do. He was like, but now that I know she's alive, he's like, why am I just sitting here? What like, he's like, I have my hope again. So he like, I'm going to show you my full strength. He breaks out. He knocks a bunch of people out. The issue ends. And we're going to find out, I guess, how they get reunited. I think the conference okay. is really cool. The whole, like, transporting oceans between time and space. Like, it's something that I would actually be into in the opera. Okay. Just to kind of see it, like, just to see what else they could do with it. Okay, that's dope. I... Um... Normally don't really read a lot of Aquaman books. I actually really got into him in the New 52, uh, uh, that era. It was really, really like well-written stuff. Um, but I enjoyed Andy in that Future State Justice League book. So I kind of was maybe interested in seeing what's going on with her. So uh, maybe they do keep this going post Future State because I think I would be down to jump into this. Yeah, and even I think the interactions that Jackson and Andy had in this book were like pretty spot on. Um, she's kind of a brat, like she's a kid, she's a brat. Um, <laughs> and Jackson is very much like where he's kind of started from in the comic since like the new 52. I know a lot of people were expecting Cowder from the Young Justice cartoon, but like they're very different characters. This one started oh, with a little okay. bit more timid and okay. they've kind of been working towards him building up his confidence and he's a little bit happier also. Okay. <laughs> kind it's of not as super serious. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's a little bit more like jovial in that sense, but um, you can kind of still see like that confidence and that leadership ability kind of growing. Um, Kelly Sue was really great in doing that in the most previous run. And I think Brandon took it to the next level here to show like an older, more, I don't know, I guess capable Jackson. Okay. Okay, that's dope. I'm into this. Maybe I could check some more Aqua stuff out. I hope they announce a book soon. They, I feel like there's a lot of mm. the like heavyweight 
and DC characters kind of missing in this future state. I mean, what is it called? The uh, frontier, sorry, the DC yeah. infinite frontier. Yeah, I agree. I don't know what's going on. They keep announcing some bad books though, so. <laughs> oh, right, <laughs> right. They ain't stopped those. <laughs> All right, so uh, next up on the list is Strange Adventures. Have you gotten into Strange Adventures? Mm-mm. Okay, so do you know anything about like, Adam Strange? No. Oh wait, is he the um, the space like kind of cadet looking guy? Yeah, that's is he like was he like lost on an Earth, lost from Earth, and like he ends up on I don't know. Yeah, Ron. Been, I think. Yeah, he's from Ron. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so I know this, a little some. <laughs> there you go. Come on. <laughs> um. So. I don't really care about any of that, but Mr. Terrific is in this book. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the book okay. is written by Tom King. It has art by Mitch Garretts, and he alternates the issues with, I mean, not the issues, he alternates the actual art in the issue with Doc Shaner. Now, they have two, like, very drastically different styles, but the way they are paired up and match, it, like, just works out. And the book looks gorgeous. I... We're kind of like heavy into the issue. I think it'll be a lot easier to explain what's going on in this book when we get to the end of it. So like, I'll kind of give a like long synopsis of it then because it's still like a very big mystery and like there's some weird illusionary time travel possible, just like back and forth mind bending stuff going on. But Mr. Terrific is amazing in it. And it's like one of the best Terrifics I've ever read. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I would actually like just take this creative team doing a terrific series because I'm not necessarily super interested in the Adam Strange stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are um, you a big uh, Mr. Terrific fan? Oh yeah, I love him. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. DC's third smartest man. Um, yeah, I really okay. love the um, JSA stuff that Johns did with him. You know, I was really into the terrific series that DC had in the beginning when they were trying to oh, do yeah. like their version of the Fantastic Four. It just wasn't that great. Um, and I've just read a lot of his, like, I read his solo series as well that also, like, was kind of a mixed bag. But I like him as a character, and I like the T-Spheres and his intellect. He's, like, he's cool. He's interesting. I think this is, like, does a great job with him also. This issue in particular was, like, staying out for him. He's, like, breaking into stuff. He's beating people up. He is showing that, like, I am the smartest man. He's, like, doing some detective work with Batman. It's cool. Okay, so, that's dope. Shout out to him. I, I yeah. feel like they, they rarely ever use him. So that's dope that he's getting from Shine. Yeah, that's true. So next up, another one I was really excited for. So we finally get the second issue of The Other History of the DC Universe by John Ridley. Wow. With the Common Collie. And yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't like give this even bigger praise i don't even know what to say like at this point um wow like the first issue was already in my opinion probably one of the greatest comic books i think i've ever read mm-hmm. and this issue really cemented that i i hope this i don't know if this is an ongoing i don't know if this is like a mini but i can't i can't this can't end yet <laughs> the, um the way that the way that uh, ridley like humanizes all of these characters and like humanizes mm. all of these moments is is mind-blowing i i need more of this yeah so you know um are, are you a big like new teen titans fan titans fan era like kind of like I, going back to the older crew like with lilith and narc and hawk and dove and stuff 
I haven't read a lot of that stuff back then. I'm more of like that the new Teen Titans era with Starfire and okay. uh, and uh, Raven and all of them. Okay, yeah, which I'm also there for that as well. Um, but you know, I've like gone back and read a lot of those Titan things. I was a huge Titans fan for a really long time, and so it's all it's so interesting. What I loved about this issue was because again, like they really put emphasis on how Bumblebee and Mal weren't really around on the team for a lot of times, or like they were always kind of coming yeah. in these substitute roles, or like they just were forgotten about. But it's so great how really like took that and made it a story. And was like, right? like, oh no, they knew they were being like shunned or like sideline, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's kind of like no, and like this is how it impacted them. And again, it's like you say, it humanized it, it gives their characters like in a completely new layer that you never would have gotten before. And it's also interesting because like we never really get that perspective a lot in the comics from those characters, like especially with Mal, he was the guy, like he wanted to be the hero, he wanted to be on the team, like yeah. he was sitting there waiting for that call, and he just never got it. And then you have Karen. I mean, she, look, I mean, look at that right there. When have you ever cared about Mal Duncan? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's 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 be honest, but like the way that he was like, like I said, like the way that he was humanized in this book, and you really felt the fact that he wanted to be a part of the Titans. He wanted to be like a hero and be seen. Like his uh, he I felt like his biggest goal was to be seen. And I feel like this is the kind of writing I wish that was done like a lot of, in a lot of other books because you, mm -hmm. in just this one issue, you really already are in the head of a character like Mal Duncan, who you probably even haven't even had that many, that much exposure to. Um, yeah. And Bumblebee, like the whole, the whole, their whole like back and forth that they have, these conversations that they had was mm -hmm. amazing. <laughs> and then even the way he just actually added like real world history into it, kind of being like, you know, they weren't, out here with the Titans during this time, but they were like out here during this, like when these people were getting murdered and like this crisis was happening and like they were involved in being affected in different ways and it just. So man. you you already know that like, um, I'm from Chicago, like originally I grew yeah. up there and all that kind of stuff. And I've always known that the, in DC anyway, although their cities are fictional, that they're still kind of like, there are some real world like similarities mm -hmm. and i know people tried to say like, like you know gotham was more closer to a new york and metropolis was closer to a chicago now i grew up in chicago and it is segregated as hell like it you okay. can you can go online right now and i think there's this um youtube video where you could watch so the red line train goes from the north to south and it runs 24 hours you can watch this YouTube video and see how the train literally goes from being predominantly black to predominantly white as you go from the south to the north. Wow. Um, there's also been this woman who's doing this. She's doing it for more of a like social experiment kind of project where she's having the people who have alternate um, uh, uh, addresses like they're where they live. So like a one, two, three North Street is having a conversation with 123 South Street, which is on the other side of like town. And just the fact that you can even have that much participation <laughs> between yeah. the differences for what's going on in the North side and the South side was wild to me. Um, and it never dawned on me that that same thing would be happening in Metropolis that, <laughs> that you know, <laughs> I've heard of the suicide slums and all of these other places yeah. that were supposed to be these like, you know, 
um, kind hoods. of the hoods of Metropolis. And never did it ever cross my mind to think that it's because they are segregated like a Chicago is. And yeah. to make that kind of connection was insane. Like, that was dope. Really? <laughs> you know, like you said, I don't know if this is ongoing. I don't know how many he has planned of these. Because there's like a backlog of characters he can do it for. Um, uh, absolutely. I, uh, <laughs> I, I nominate John. I need a John issue. I need a John Stewart issue. I need a Vixen issue. You know, <laughs> I need, so I um, need one for all of them. <laughs> it's it's it'll be interesting, but I love this. He's like killing it. He's knocking out the park. Whatever, like DC, DC. I don't know why DC hasn't announced like uh, an exclusive contract with him yet. I don't understand why he wasn't the one that was given the Green Lantern if they're trying to push John Stewart. Okay, <laughs> for my own personal wishes. <laughs> the one that um, Jeff Thorne got? Yeah, that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's the um, one. It should have been yeah. given to John Ridley. <laughs> <laughs> they got, I think they got I think they got bigger plans. Well, I don't know what they have planned for John, honestly. Cause, um, well, they gave him the next Batman, but are they going to They gave him, him the next Batman, but then is he, like, is he getting Batman post-Future State? I don't, I don't know. And then, like, I know, I think Joshua Williamson is, like, heading the infinite frontier thing oh, okay. um so huh. i don't know bendis is writing justice league oh right so i don't know where they place him but i hope it's someplace great or if they don't have an idea this keep this going okay because <laughs> I, I need more of this because <laughs> i got a few i got a few um okay that was that so um heading on daredevil tw- now daredevil 26 we're here Chip Zdarsky, Marco, have you gotten up here yet? Have you caught up? I, know you I haven't caught yet. up. I haven't caught up there just yet. I'm at okay. like issue 10. Um, okay. So like I said, I know that, you know, I saw the big splash of my girl, Electra mm-hmm. becoming Daredevil back in 25. Okay. So now I'm trying to catch up, but um, gotcha. give me a little bit more time, but I'm going to catch up because I, okay. um, I hope she's well, doing I mean, some great things. Luckily, so that luckily this issue isn't like anything big. It's a King and Black tie-in issue. Oh, okay. And, so it's tying into King and Black. Yeah, okay. unfortunately. Um, this is one. So Matt is in prison, as I said, which is nothing new. Daredevil's in prison quite a bit. I'm pretty sure he has his own room there. But um, <laughs> this issue is different in the fact that it kind of deals with Matt and his privilege. While oh, okay. So okay. like one of the one of the inmates kind of confronts him. Like one of the black inmates kind of confronts him, and he's like, "You know, you're in here. You get to wear your mask." He's like, mm. when you leave, you can go still be the doctor or the lawyer or the teacher or whatever it is you were because you are this like white superhero guy. He's like, I get to go. He's like, when I leave out of here, he's like, I still have to wear this face. Like, I still have to be me. And so it kind of like deals with that. And then on the other side of it, you have Electra who's running around Hell's Kitchen as Daredevil. Um, King and Black tie-in comes the Venom things pop down. They like come into the prison, attack people. They're attacking the streets. So Electra's saving people. Typhoid Mary gets infected, which is very fun. She's in the issue. Oh, that's that's fun. Uh, I feel uh, like Typhoid Mary is like, is she around that often? I feel like they don't really, she, really use her. She pops up. Like she pops up to be crazy and like fight some people and then, you know, they get rid of her. Okay. Um, I guess I so, need to, I don't, I'm never down in the street level stuff. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you know, so the issue ends off with Electra kind of like squaring off with the symbiote infected typhoid Mary, 
And in the prison, the symbiote has bonded with Matt. So like Noel is in Matt now. Which oh, okay. It's a King and Black tie-in. It's like, I don't feel like this was a story that was necessary. It kind of feels like it's derailing some things a little bit, but whatever. I guess maybe it'll get Matt out of prison sooner. So is he going to... So is the next issue also going to be a King and Black tie-in? Yes. Oh, okay. Huh. So you so you said you have seen Electra, the spread yes. of her as Daredevil. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you. Mm. Do you like her Daredevil costume? Uh yeah, I like it. It's it's whatever. It's like a um it feels like a an Electra version of a Daredevil costume, if that makes sense. I personally would mm-hmm. like her to be in her own costume, but for something like right now where she is playing Daredevil, yeah, it's fine. Is there is there a problem? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> huh. I just, well, I just you don't like you don't like it. You're, you're just a big Electra fan, so I just I, I haven't heard too many people talk about the actual costume. Like I know everyone's saying like, "Oh, Electra is Daredevil," but no one's really saying like, "Oh yeah, this costume." So I just oh, didn't. Well, people that's because they care about the character more than the clothes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, she wears the clothes. The clothes don't wear her. She just you know is being Electra. Yeah. All right. Although so I, like do, um, I do, I do, I do, um, I do look forward for when she like takes it off and she is in her own <laughs> her own costume. <laughs> back in her I don't, suit. I don't need her to go back into that um, the like swimsuit costume before. She needs a redesign mm-hmm. for sure. You um, did you like the um like the kind of like black one piece with like the red? No, only because that looked a little too like pedestrian. It looked a little okay. too like civilian, if that made okay. sense. Like, you know, I yeah. felt like they were trying to capitalize off of the Daredevil TV show, but mm-hmm. the Daredevil TV show was just a low budget costume because it's a TV show. <laughs> so yeah. I would like for her to actually have a suit, you know? Okay. All right. That was Daredevil. Hurry up and get caught up so we can continue to talk about that. Yeah, right. I guess these next issues are like some King and Black stuff. So I got a little bit of time to catch up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. And yeah, so next. Oh, oh, oh Shang-Chi number five. You have been reading this. I have. And um, I thought this was pretty good. I, um, you know, I wish this was an ongoing. I think that's why I had my like mm, hesitations a little bit about it in the beginning. And sometimes during the story, I kind of felt like a lot of some things were missing or like things that I felt like Mm -hmm. I should have been seeing. But um, I had to remember that this was a a mini series. So, you know, this wasn't going to be like the Shang-Chi ongoing I thought it was going to be because I do think that he could have one, especially now going forward with everything that happened in this. Um, I thought that some of this felt very like MCU cinematic again, like I think of some previous issues in this, I've said that before where this feels like you could translate this right into a movie (laughs) with the way that, you know, even down to the fact that he was fighting his sister and she was controlling these cannon fodder martial art zombies, vampire things. I was really (laughs) into those. 
I know you were. <laughs> I figured you were some mystical vampires. That's all you. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is great. I was like, this, and it was like, I think it was one of the characters in it. He's like, we're fighting these ancient Chinese vampires. And I was just like, yeah, this is, this is what I'm talking about. This is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was soon as those things were like all around, they were fighting and stuff and they could see the magic and all that. I was like, oh, I'm back. Keenan is eating this up. Um, Absolutely. The fight scenes in this were pretty cool and stuff. Kind of like I said, it still felt very like action heavy cinematic. This could, is this a glimpse into what's going to be coming from the Shang-Chi movie? I don't know, but uh, it very well could be with the way that it was kind of written and the pacing and everything. Yeah, I think they announced um, another Shang-Chi book. Oh, okay. Like another it's... ongoing. I think it's the so you know this issue was written by Jean Lu and Yang. Um, we have two artists on this issue, Dyke Ruin and Philip Tan. I don't think either one of them are the artists for the other book. I think okay, Yang is returning. I'm pretty sure I read that. Um, I don't think I would want Tan to return. I didn't really enjoy his art in this, but I did like Dyke Ruin, which parts was did he do uh, ruin did like the main story uh tan did the flashbacks of sister oh Hannah. oh and you don't want tan to retire correct yeah i agree <laughs> yes, <we're good. laughs> yeah i thought the other pages were if i mean that they're in the same book you kind of compare them i did think the other pages were better than the the flashbacks but but maybe the flash i think the flashback the or the juxtaposition of these different types of art i think was probably done intentionally because they were flashbacks they wanted to give a different kind of feel for it oh yeah absolutely um yeah but i would i would definitely prefer dyke ruin i really like that style and just i think he had a like better sense of the action for the issues I do like Shang-Chi supporting cast. I thought this mini was fine. Again, like yeah, I said, I do believe fine. that they've announced the new series. So I feel like this is just kind of the one to introduce us to him and like the characters that we're going to continue to get more of. And like now he's in charge of his little deadly house and we should get some fun stuff after that. Yeah, I agree. I felt like this, I have Marvel Unlimited and having read this now, this is something I would have said, oh, I can just read that mini when it gets to Marvel, Marvel. Unlimited. Yeah. Um, yeah. Still great. I would still check it out and read it, but uh, I think I'm looking forward to the actual ongoing for Shang-Chi and like the buildup yeah. for that. I also, so I don't know. I, I think I kind of had like a moment here. So you remember after we watched Wonder Woman, you said you didn't realize you don't know if you necessarily like Diana, you just like watching her fight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I kind of had that with Shang-Chi a little bit. I had it with Iron Fist as well. Oh wow! So now I, that. <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know. I didn't know you were an Iron Fist fan. Well, that makes oh, sense. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh what? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. That completely makes sense. That's uh, the immortal weapon. To, so we won't even get into that. So, um, but no. So like, I realized um, one day because like that I, I know the uh, Iron Fist series is supposed to be. I think actually it started this week. Well, I didn't pick it up. I was thinking about it because Larry Hammond was writing it. But then I was thinking about it. I was like, I like Iron Fist, like the story of it and like a lot of the side characters. But I was like, I don't necessarily like Danny Rain. I like watching him fight though. And so like with Shang-Chi, I was like- was me and Wonder Woman. <laughs> and so like with Shang-Chi, I was like, you know, Shang-Chi is a fine character, but at the same time, he's not like super interesting to me. No, he and so I, but I was like, I realized I was like, oh, I also just really like watching him fight. And I was like, you know, so we'll see.
that's okay. Then, you know, maybe you can just have a list of people who you may not be that into that character, but when they start to beat some ass, okay. <laughs> you, you, ta- you tapped in. That's, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> and Shang-Chi is going to beat some ass. <laughs> um, yes. If, if I'm correct in that Iron Fist series did start and anyone read it, please let me know how it is. Yes. Would you be open to someone else becoming Iron Fist? Is that what you need? Okay, okay, got it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Just because, I mean, they've already established like multiple Iron Fist and it's something that can be like passed along and things like that. And so I, this is like slightly off topic, but I was rereading um, Al Ewing's Avengers run that had like Wiccan and stuff in it. And I came across like the new Power Man. (laughs) Um, And they came across the new Power Man who was in it. Oh, okay. I also Could kind he, like, of absorb chi or something? Yeah, he, like, absorbs chi via, like, his knowledge of the history and culture of whatever place he's in. And I realized that, like, oh, I actually kind of like that guy. And so between that and, like, there was a brief period of time where I was reading Champions. He was in it. I enjoyed him in that. Um, I enjoyed him in Mighty Avengers. I really like his powers. I think they're used interesting. So I was like, oh, cool. And so at the end of it, Blue Marvel's son, Max, and that new power man have kind of become friends. And so he's like, oh, let's go like adventure together. And he's like, I've come up with a new name and it's Iron Fist. It doesn't work for him. (laughs) (laughs) And like the type of character he is, it like doesn't make any type of sense, but it also like helped me realize that I am okay with someone else becoming Iron Fist now. Gotcha. Okay. That's cool. It sounds like you are hoping for a blue Marvel power man team up. (laughs) You know? You know, and it just made me realize, I was like, Ewing really loves the Marvel family, okay? Like, he yeah, he uses, does. Like, he always brings them in. I was like, he just needs to go ahead and write that series. He knows he yeah. needs to. Yeah, yeah. He probably pitched it at some point. He had to have thought about giving a Blue Marvel solo or something, because he uses it some, so much <laughs> in this stuff, oh, and the whole family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. And so, oh, so we're now hitting to the X books of the week. So um, let's go ahead and start with New Mutants 15. Vita Ayala and Rob Rice come back to us to continue the story of the new mutants and the younger generation and their training and something we're going on with the Shadow King in the background, which amazing. I don't know what's going on with that, but I do like that a lot. I also loved the um, I loved the uh, data page that gave you this whole like background on Shadow King and like Amal mm-hmm. Farouk and what was going on there and how he was like this very young, powerful telepath and he kept being promised that he would see his dad again. He never did. That was like wild. (laughs) I thought that was pretty good. Um, How do you feel about the, the way that the new mutants have this whole like new kind of motivations and like this whole new, like driving force behind them is basically, I don't want to say camp counselors, but it's kind of like that. It's giving very much like the, the camp counselor group. Um, I, I like it. I think I see what it is. I like that there's some interesting dynamics in that it kind of shows the generational shift of the older generation and the younger generation. I think it's a place that fits for them. I look at them as kind of in a workforce where they're not like the executives or the senior leadership yet, but they're like right there underneath. And so like they're managing the buildings and stuff like that. And so like these are all their like associates and they got to train them up. And so it's like, that feels like kind of a place they would be life-wise. So that works for me. I agree, especially in the age of like Krakoa and everybody being yeah. on this one this one kind of island, it does feel like the the natural progression for 
for them? Um, I think I did not. So the only thing that I didn't really like, really dig that much was the one with Danny and Cosmar. Oh, when uh, Cosmar asked Danny to be her crucible partner, like the one that she was going to go into it with, which is obviously yeah. like a plot from Shadow King, right? Like Shadow <laughs> <Yeah>. King. <laughs> He's always doing something. Yeah, that's the one. Um, so like, I didn't mind that Danny said no. At first, I was a little annoyed that Danny said no. I was like, girl, what? Um, but then I was like, I don't mind that she said no. I do mind for the reasons why she said it. Um, you know, Cosmar wasn't really coming to her as a place of like, I hate the way I look, like my mutation, like messed me up. Da, da, da. She's like, you know, I, I'm in the wrong body. Like, this isn't how I'm supposed to be like, and I respect you as this warrior to kind of like come and help me get to the place that I want to be. And Danny kind of just saying like, no, you're beautiful. Like that, especially for someone like Danny who didn't have control of her powers for such a long time, who had kind of scary power. I would see her coming from more of a place of like, no, but I will help you in like training you to control this so you can make that change yourself and like have it be a little bit more fulfilling. But she kind of just went straight then mother. I've realized like one thing about Vita's Danny so far is like she she feels like a den mother and it's a little bit much. Is that not the Danny you want? You know, I I've always been like a, a kind of more of a sidebar fan of of Danny. I um I think she's dope. <laughs> she's a, a kick ass warrior, but I don't really like follow her like that. Um, so is this something that you don't kind of see for her? Because I feel like it fits, but I don't know I her that well. So. I think Danny is, I think Danny is like a teacher and a leader definitely fit. You know um, what? I could, I could be mixing those two. I could be thinking teacher and leader when she may be more yeah. den mother, like you said. Yeah. Like I feel like teacher and leader, absolutely. Um, guiding, doing all of that here. It just feels very much like babying and like watching over everybody. Uh, even the star. And I guess the only thing like um really feels different that I could make a, good comparison to was her and Rain and Rain discussing like Tear and the resurrection protocol and like how she wants her son back. And Danny kind of like wants to stay with her and she wants to do all these things. And like to the point where Karma's like, well, you know, you also still have to come and do this other thing. And Danny's to the point where it's like, no, I have to stay with Rain. Like she kind of keeps calling her and keep like, do you want me to stay? I'll stay, I'll leave. And even Rain's to the point like, no, like go do your thing. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, and she's like, oh, like this is our friend is still like, we're celebrating Doug's marriage to be like, it's okay. And still Danny's just like, oh, what do you need? And it's just like, chill out. Like that doesn't really feel like Danny to me. I feel like Danny would kind of be like, okay, I respect your choice. However, still know that like I'm here because again, she's here to teach, she's here to guide, but she's not going to be pushy about it. I definitely get what you're saying um, as far as maybe being too much of a den mother and kind of coddling because I did feel that way with uh, the way she was treating Ron. Like I was like, all right, girl, she <laughs> she don't need you to be sitting up next to her. Like I think she is telling you, yes, I get it. I need my son back, but like you got other things you can go do too. And we're going to go to the wedding later and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm sorry, the reception. Um, the one thing I will say, though, is I think that there is a specific story that Vita is trying to tell with Cosmar. And I think that is someone who 
there's a specific story she's trying to tell between Danny and Cosmar, which is Danny is has always been presented as the character who gets it right. Like she's she's understanding yeah. and she understands whatever kind of plight you may be going through or whatever. Um, her compassion is what I'm saying. But just because you have compassion towards something doesn't mean you actually understand the experience. So I think there's a specific story that's being told with Cosmar as far as not feeling like you're in the right body. And yeah, no, and and, and I, I and I, sorry, go ahead, continue. I think that she's going to really like touch on that, and um, I think that is more the the purpose of of Danny's quote unquote mothering and being like, you know, no, like you you're beautiful the way you are. Um, your body is is great. You don't need to change it. You don't need to subscribe to, you know, beauty standards or whatever. I think that she's trying to say that even the people who who truly get it don't always get it. No, and I, I can definitely agree with that. And I get that. And I that's why I say I really enjoy kind of like the shift in dynamics from the older generation to the younger because you had it with Danny and Cosmar. You also had it with Warpath and Gabby. And like that whole instance when he was training the students and like their kind of thing. And even like when she was trying to like hang out with um, Dak and, and he was just like trying to be with Aurora, which was like so messed up, so sad to see. Oh, you didn't like it? I thought that that was, uh, are they a couple or something? Aren't they having, they've been flirting in um, other stuff? In X Factor? Yeah, <laughs> but they've been over there. To, I, I assume that they've been over there together and like made a couple or something. I mean, but it's still sad for Gabby. Oh yeah, because you know, don't nobody want to hang out. I thought that that was yeah. kind of sad, but um, <laughs> she probably just needs to. Uh, I don't know. I hope she finds new other friends because <laughs> she deserves some. She's I'm so cute. With you. Um, I don't really like Gabby that much. <laughs> Now see, <laughs> uh, you know I'm sorry to all the Gabby she's, fans out there. She's cute. I like I like Scout. I like the name Scout more than Honey Badger. Sorry. <laughs> see, I actually like the name Honey Badger. Oh, okay. I thought it was fun. You know, you know she's supposed to be like the fun girl, but whatever. You know, it was sad, I guess, to see her. But then she's like she's like, you know, it's just me and kids. She's, yeah, I think you don't think you like kids. <laughs> <laughs> Kids, the, the the one thing I will say about this book is I do think um Vita's kind of throwing like a lot of different things at us at once. Yeah. I mean, um, all the emotions of every scene I feel like hit, but like she's throwing a lot at us at once. I kind of like that though, because it's not a lot of for me anyway, it doesn't feel like it's a lot of different plot points being thrown mm-hmm. at us as much as it is just different, different types of emotions that you can express with different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Gabby is going to be feeling very alone, even though she shouldn't be. She's on this island full of all these people. And I wonder if that'll also take her kind of like into the arms of the Shadow King. Oh, mm. I could see it. She she was she was getting a little angry towards the end. Like she was making some little comments. It was like, see, that's these kids. You just got to watch them, man. You They're are, bad. You are such a crotchety old man now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Angry old man now. <laughs> these kids, man. They're always up to something. They're just get, always up. Get them up to off your line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think that um, this. 
this has been a great book, in my opinion. I um, was really into New Mutants in the beginning when Hickman was on it um, and they were doing those alternate loads every other issues he was doing. I kind of fell off it during the like Bryson era, but this has really brought me back because I think that um, the art is great. Um, I think it really fits the 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 premise of the story and everything. So um, I'm into really, that. Really enjoying it. Yeah, I like the I way think that there's Vita, like kind of watercolors too with the colors. I kind of like it. Vita was definitely the like injection of life this title needed. Definitely, yeah. I'm into okay. it. So we'll, we'll see what's up. Mm, yeah. Next up, we got Wolverine 9. Percy. Oh, wait. Before we end with Wolverine, um, um, Captain Marvel 25 came out. And oh. I meant to tell you this because Enchantress is all in it. <laughs> um, the book uh, written, you know, by Kelly Thompson. And I'm assuming maybe she might be just a an Enchantress fan. Um, it was written by Kelly Thompson, art by Lee Garbay. And I, again, the issue has been she's been stuck in this like future timeline or whatever. Um where earth has been decimated and she's basically been locked up last issue she was locked up by enchantress um and again you know <laughs> my girl cannot take magic that's her biggest weakness um and last issue there was this like brutal scene of her basically getting her ass handed to her um and then she gets locked up they you find out that they want to basically use her body because of the invulnerability she has all the energy she has to cast some spell to send ove back to our timeline um so that he can go back and kind of take it over and then you get this really really look into enchantress because she goes on this like uh for about four pages of her giving her entire background basically like her side of everything because she is mm -hmm. ove's mother um so she talks about how you know, they won't, she hasn't really, Kelly hasn't really said in this book what the big thing was that like decimated Earth. It probably doesn't matter. <laughs> it's probably, <laughs> it's always, because you know. it's always something. <laughs> um, and so in this, you just, she just calls it this like, you know, the ending or whatever. And um, you learn about how Enchantress got with Namor, why she decided to get with Namor and how, you know, she was like, we both have this lust for power and ruling over people. So like, we, I, but I wasn't really sure if that was us being powerful people or if I was ever actually in love with him. Um, and you kind of get into her mindset there and how she was looking for power and everything uh, and how she ended up with Namor, which is a couple I had never really thought about before, but I don't know, maybe I might see it now because I used to always kind of want Namor to end up with like a Emma and just have mm -hmm. the two of them be just this very power badass couple. But I don't know. Enchantress and, and Namor were kind of given in this. <laughs> um, she, You end up seeing her having her son and how she says that he was the best of us as far as him wanting to rule, but he also was the worst of us because they both, Namor and Enchantress. Some, <laughs> some egos on right there. Exactly. They're not the nicest of people. Um, and you find out that previously, Ove told this whole story about how he was the one that saw these like rebels basically come in and kill his father. But you find out that actually it was him. <laughs> Ove killed oh, Namor. No. Yeah. And Enchantress saw it happen. And what? being a mother, she couldn't decide, you know, whether to protect her son or, 
you know, be with her husband, but she kind of obviously sided with her son. They fled. Um, and again, Carol struggling with this magic <laughs> and, and not really winning there. So, and then Emma, like, Emma Frost from this future, she comes in and kinds of helps. She finally takes down her diamond form and uses her telepathy, but you're not really sure what happens because it looks like she like faints at even just trying to read a mind. Um, and she had been talking about something going on with her telepathy, but every time Carol would ask, she would always deflect the question. So I don't know what happened there. I don't know if she died or what. I guess we'll find out like next issue. Um, but yeah. It's a pretty good issue. Uh, Bridget finally got her little hammer at the end of it. She's the daughter of Thor. Um, they were finally able to release Captain Marvel from this. So I'm assuming this next issue is finally when Carol gets to let loose and start punching shit. So two things. One, what you're saying is Kelly needs to write an Amora solo. Yes, absolutely. Because okay. this is not the first time that Amora has popped up in Captain Marvel and she she basically beats Carol's <laughs> ass and then leaves. So <laughs> I think that um I think that she would be great on an Amora so oh that would actually be a great idea. She's been writing a very like passionate Amora in this book. And if she can bring that back to like current times, that'd be yeah. great. Again, this is kind of like it's not necessarily Elseworlds because it's supposed to be like a future timeline, but still it's not present day Amora. So I would love if she was able to bring this back too. And so I guess my second question for you in this book is kind of, how do you feel about Carol in it? I feel like a lot of times when I read Captain Marvel books, we get a lot of stuff for the other characters. Like there's a lot of Mm -hmm. like information about them, a lot of background on them. Um, Do you feel like this journey for Carol is just, is it I mean, obviously we know that she's going to go and try and find a way to defend herself against magic from this. But like, do you think this is like hitting her emotionally? Does it like mean anything to her? These characters, does she feel any way? Is she meeting like a future child of her own or something? Uh, Yeah, so I feel like with with this run so far for Captain Marvel, there has been a lot of uh, supporting cast members that have been involved in the book um, just to have... I guess actually to give those characters a lot more shine and I think to yeah. bounce the the kind of relationship that Carol can show of herself and like what kind of emotion she has on stuff because if there's nobody else in the book for her to talk to then you don't really get a sense of Carol. Um, this particular arc I think touches on a lot of stuff because she she didn't meet any kids of her own but she met Rhodey's daughter. And she black. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And like full black. So uh, (laughs) Carol's like, no, that ain't you. So I think that that's going to be something that she's going to have to deal with when she gets back. Um, Again, in that in that star arc, she was not only losing her powers, but um, the U.S. found out that she was Cree. And, you know, they not many people like the Cree, so they actually stripped her of her title and she almost she went to a liquor store like about alcohol and was almost thinking of returning to the bottle um like there was a moment for her where she was like you know i didn't drink but i still bought it so like you get a lot of moments like that from her in these books where you find out more about her emotionally but the big bombastic stuff um kind of happens with the side characters and stuff and and until it's time to you know get a fire a photon blast <laughs> <laughs> okay 
I'm into it. I'm going to I'm going to get you into this at least once. <laughs> and I know I know Enchantress might be able to do it for you. <laughs> you know, that's that does sound like some ample Enchantress. You know, I feel like if this was like some present day Enchantress, I'd probably actually go and buy it. You know, I can yeah. kind of I can kind of try and move. It. We'll see. We'll move, see how you, I feel. you can move past an Elseworld, but I see if 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 she's learning how to deal with magic, that means Enchantress is probably not too far behind on stopping Carol. <laughs> Um, okay. And so next up we had Wolverine, which yes. was Chip Zdarsky and Andy Cooper. Uh, no, that was uh this was Ben Percy. Oh wait, yes, Ben Percy. What else? I said Chip Zdarsky, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. no, no, no. That's a different oh, him, him on Wolverine. him on Wolverine would be would you do that? I think I would. I think that would be interesting. I think he would actually have some fun with Wolverine, which is kind of what we need a little bit right now. Okay, Something so that's else. What I, that's what I was going to say about this issue. Um, I, I think everybody knows I, I love Wolverine. I'm Wolverine guy here. Um, I've kind of been like fine with this book. I think Percy does a very good Logan. He feels like the person he should be. I love Maverick, so I was like really excited about this issue. He's a character that yeah, like, doesn't pop up a lot, um, but he's like one of those really like interesting ones, a part of Logan's history and everything. I have just kind of come to terms with the fact that I think I'm ready to see Logan do something different. Yes, agreed. Like a complete status quo shift for him. The story is interesting, it's fine. I think it has bypassed a lot of the issues that I had with some of the previous ones which were that it kind of seemed like Percy has a lot of ideas this one was more laser focused like set on this one particular plot that we saw a lot of interesting characters kind of popping up and around we saw Patch make an appearance Wolverine dressing up as Patch is always fun yeah. um but yeah I'm just ready to, I mean, I, and I even, don't even really that though felt like as great as it was to see him as Patch again it felt like okay we just see him Wolverine as Patch again <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, you know so I, I don't know. And it may, I think it'll be maybe a part of a larger discussion around Logan in general. But it's just when when Laura was Wolverine, that was right. That, like that was actually right. That's the only Wolverine I acknowledge. <laughs> yeah, that, that was right. I think it's time to move Logan away from kind of like the drunken master, mm, older, yeah. grumpy going out to do what needs to be like we, we got a couple of, we got a couple of people who are like gonna go out and kill with no problems anymore like logan does not have to be like the sole voice for this and i think a lot of times it works i think like when we get something how we had earlier in this series when he was talking to magneto and they were like discussing the resurrection protocols and like logan was kind of like you know i'm a person who's died a lot like just because you can come back from it doesn't mean that we should still be letting people die and things like that. So I think he's still great for like those yeah. type of conversations and having that. But I just think as a whole, and like even when you think about the captains, like I'm pretty sure Wolverine wanted they wanted Wolverine to be a captain, but he like said no, pick Gorgon, you know. And it's like, right, right. Um, and you know, making those amends, it's like everyone else is getting all these other chances. So a lot of the roles that Logan used to have to play are filled. And so now it's just kind of like, all right, what else are we doing? Yeah, I agree. Um, I feel like this issue was very well written. I've, I'm a fan of Percy. And it um, he has a very like great grasp on Wolverine and Logan and his voice, um, especially in this book and in X-Force. Um, again, it's just 
I think I'm a little tired of, <laughs> of Wolverine and Wolverine being the same Wolverine we've always had. I don't think that altering someone's, um, not necessarily their focus or anything like that, but like just kind of having them do something different. I don't think that necessarily changes the core of who the character is. So I think more writers should, shouldn't be afraid to venture outside of kind of what we always know with just little sprinkles of something new. Like this is yeah. Patch, you know, but we are experiencing him go to Majapur via Krakoa stuff. And, you know, he's got the goo in his ear and they take it out because they think it's like something gross on him. But it's obviously that was his Krakoan like earpiece yeah. thing. Um, you know, he's at this auction and, you know, he's talking about Maverick. I also loved the the panel placement in this yes. with the art. I love Beautiful that. Issue. Beautiful yeah. issue. Absolutely love the way that the panels and stuff laid out, especially during in the beginning when they when Weapon X was on that mission and everything. Mm -hmm. I love the way that that was laid out. Um, but again, like we've seen Weapon X go on a mission <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and Sabretooth is still killing somebody and they're like, oh my God, he's doing too much. But <laughs> who are we to judge because we always kill like I feel, yeah. I feel like we've gotten this we've seen this scene before um at least I feel like now it might be time to really push Wolverine into something different we don't need to take his healing yeah. factor away we don't need to take a power away or give him new powers like hot no claws. more hot claws <laughs> <laughs> we don't need any of that I think that you can just kind of give him a different path and just see where Wolverine goes down on that path Agreed. Um, yeah, agreed. And I, I honestly have no idea of like what type of direction I would like to see Logan in right now. Obviously, this is like, like I said, a bigger discussion about the character in general. But overall, this is a good book. And I think this actually kind of plays into a point I was going to make for the final book on our list today, which is Excalibur 17. All righty. Yes, yes, yes. I read it. Okay. Um, this this issue this issue okay so it was this issue. it was something yeah let's get into it i liked it i wouldn't think it was bad um yeah i didn't think it was bad i thought that yeah. you know the art could be a lot better but i think that that is just my own personal preference i don't think i'm a big fan of marcus too um so that, so that's what I was kind of like saying with the, what I was just talking about with Percy and Cooper. I like Teeny. I've said it multiple times. I like Teeny. I like Marcus. I like them individually. I don't think they're as strong together. Um, I would really love to see kind of the script for the issue and just to like see like what they write, you know, what Teeny's writing versus what Marcus is drawing. Um, and if it kind of gives more of a like tell don't show her, she kind of gives him more like free reign to just draw whatever he wants and he just doesn't. Or if, I don't know. Um, Cause I've, I've seen his work before when he was doing X-Men Blue. And I felt like that was a completely different book. And, you know, Teeny's written some other things like Strike Force and the Death's Head Mini, which I enjoyed a little bit more than I do with Excalibur. I will say that this issue, like you said, was enjoyable. It is one of the stronger issues of the series. I think it is good and kind of harkens back to Excalibur 13 in terms of like narrative strength, but also how much an artist plays a part in the book, because that issue was drawn by R.B. Silva. 
and oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, <laughs> like, and I remember like people were like, oh my gosh, like yes, like Excalibur is good, like this is the one, like I really enjoy this. Da, da, da. This one, you kind of walk away saying like, yes, I enjoyed it, but you still don't have a strong feeling as you did when you finished thirteen. I did like the whole kind of bit about Betsy and her apologizing to the alternate universe Quanon. Yeah, I thought that was fun. I do think that although I liked the issue and I felt like it was enjoyable, I'm finding myself not caring (laughs) 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 as much as I want to. Um, I I enjoyed the Betsy as the Queen Elizabeth and all the Betsy Conan stuff where they got to, you know, I guess kind of hash it out, but not really. You know, she's hashing it out with an alternate universe uh uh psylocke but again i felt like in this book the betsy stuff was fine but everybody else kind of doesn't play a point yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) the rest of this cast the rest of this cast doesn't have any purpose whatsoever and it kind of it's a little awkward because i think you know a big part of the story before was apocalypse and betsy and no one else had anything to do so they kind of fell out of place and like awkward and so now apocalypse is gone and so more of the focus continues to go around betsy and like you said the betsy stuff is fine it's strong it has a very linear focus and then Mm -hmm. you kind of get to the other characters and now they're starting to like speak and do a little bit more but i think it's just putting more emphasis on the fact that they have actually nothing to do in this book at all because um, when they no start to speak to it's like exactly when they start to speak it's like oh i forgot you were even in this book yeah <laughs> um, i felt like that that to me makes me feel like this could have been a betsy solo or something but yes. that is not what this book is called it's excalibur <laughs> yeah. so i feel you like know, there needs to be some comment, kind of better balance someone made the comment to me that um they think teeny would be like a great solo book writer Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I think that's what it is because I, a lot of times in the, these team books that she has, like she kind of clearly has these stories for like one person at a time. And like everyone else is just kind of like in the background. Again, I think for Excalibur, it's not even that these characters are just in the background. It's just that they don't fit with the book. I think that post X of Swords, we could have had a little bit of revamp. We could have got rid of Jubilee, Gambit, Rogue, and probably brought in like Brian Rogue and Megan for the time. Rogue should just be an Avenger. <laughs> we'll find a place for her on yeah. Krakoa, I'm sure. She's just gonna be an Avenger. She's great as, as, as a hero. <laughs> um, but the but the then, rest of them, like, I have no idea where they would even go. So, like, I feel like they just were dumped in Excalibur or something. I don't know. Yeah, it was kind of like the left behind. Um, the only one who you really need to keep is Richter, and that's just so he can continue the whole grimoire thing because he's the only person who read. <laughs> <laughs> He was the only one to read it. <laughs> you know, so it's like, um, and again, I think uh, there's like also some things with like mutant magic that I understand that like what Tini is saying is that mutant magic is similar to like mutant technology, mutant synergy. It's like mutants using their powers together and like doing whatever. Um, but I hate that they actually keep referring to it as magic. Right. Um, I think that that is just their way of defining it, that it's... yeah like synergy across mutants is supposed to feel like mutant magic because it is this synergy or whatever. Um, Cause I even think back to um, the previous issue when they were like doing the spell to like locate Betsy and, you know, Gambit was talking about like, Oh, well, what's the energy that we're like looking for. And um, Richter was like, Oh, it's magic. 
And it's like, no, it's your power. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there probably needs to be a lot more fleshing out of the actual specifics behind the mutant magic. I think some of us may have been going into this thinking that it was going to be an actual power set, which is what I thought it was going to be. But once it was, no, it's something that you can practice and kind of study. Um, it's more of a study than an actual power. Uh, I wish that there was just a little bit more kind of clarification there on what that actually all entails. I would love a few more actual like on page examples of mutant magic so we can like see them doing it because again even like with the most previous issue when they did it you kind of like look at what they were doing and they were all supposed to be like combining their powers and doing all of the stuff and like standing in the circle but it's like again it didn't really make sense to like how they combine their powers it's like what does each person do like how is this effect outside of like jubilee throwing up her lights to like get some pixies or something the fairies to signal oh, yeah. them it was like what are you doing yeah. um but again, the Betsy stuff, I really liked the AU world, the Lighthouse Intelligence Center that they had, that whole data page. Like, I thought that was amazing. I actually would love them to bring that like over. Um, I thought that the Queen Betsy kind of like having the plan, knowing about the Captain Britain corpse and like how just like crazy stuff happens with dimensions, you know, Excalibur has always kind of been the book that like, drew the line between mutant kind and magic and like had kooky elseworld adventures at times. So I like thought that was pretty fun. Betsy Angel does nothing for me. So like it continued to do nothing for me. <laughs> you weren't excited to see them, you know, back? No. And, and him in a robe? <laughs> he, he is the worst X character. <laughs> um, but again, like I said, I think the like story of Betsy and like her kind of like having this outburst and like being headstrong about like, no, I'm going to apologize to this Kanan, even if it's not the right Kanan and like trying to like force it on her. And it's just like, no, girl, it's like you need to like face this and like kind of dealing with that guilt again. Like she said, she's like, I was forced to wear your body or like your skin for a brief period of time. It was not my choice, but like I still did play a part in that and like kind of live this life that you didn't. And like, I apologize. The girl's looking at her like, I don't even know you. Like you need to get out of here. But um, that was nice. Again, like we also got some acknowledgement to Betsy and like her being a member of like Strike and also her being like a former ninja, you know, with the mentions about like the covert days and like how she didn't really need any help. Um, she fought a little bit, so that was fun. We saw her use her telepathy. That was fun. That was nice. You know, I like that. Yeah. I've always yeah. been a fan of telepathic Betsy um, yeah. over the the psychic ninja kill girl. <laughs> <laughs> so um, overall, very exciting issue. I am interested to see where the story goes. You know, um, obviously at the end, we got Betsy coming back to the lighthouse when they broke into the AU lighthouse. She got to our world. And so I've saw some people theorizing that that's actually like the queen betsy and we're kind of going to like get her perspective oh that would be interesting i just kind of want to get to it the real yeah, deal that, yeah i kind of want that too because now that you say that i was going to say that maybe betsy and conan are finally going to meet each other because i saw those future covers that uh i think they were done by mahmoud azar which are really yes. great um and I saw that, you know, Psylocke and Betsy were on the covers for these, and I thought, oh, okay, they're finally going to have their confrontation or whatever. But now that you say that, I wonder if it's this Queen Betsy that we're, that's going to have this with her instead. And and now Conan is going to have her real confrontation 
with Betsy, but it's not our Betsy yet. Yeah, that was one thing. I think it is our Betsy. I think the whole confrontation with um, Kanan is going to be something else. I know they're talking about like there's like some weird entity on Krakoa that Excalibur has to deal with. And we also got the little story about Jamie going to Sinister to make a new Betsy. I think I'm kind of hoping that this is like the return of Malice. And she takes oh. over, yeah, and like she gets like the clone body and like does something to Kanan, which causes her to like attack Betsy. I don't know. I just want Malice around, is what I'm saying. Hey, that's fine. As long as she's not bothering Polaris anymore, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need no more mind control. <laughs> um, but um, overall, agreed. I do like this issue. I like the Betsy stuff. I think Teeny has a story there. I do feel like the rest, I do think this cast needs to be completely reshuffled, though. Yeah. I also, Unfortunately, I think the artist is great. I think it's time for a different artist. Yeah, I agree. I, the Betsy stuff is great, but everybody else can go. Yeah, that's Excalibur. My favorite book. Oh, okay. My um, favorite X book. Oh, mine is still X-Men. <laughs> my favorite, yeah, my favorite X book is still X-Men. That is the best X book. <laughs> Versus not your favorite. <laughs> Excalibur is my favorite X book. Got you. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Well, okay. that that was all the books for the week. Um, let's take a break and then we'll come back for the panel. All right, all right, y'all. Welcome back for the panel section of the show. Okay, so there has been a lot of stuff going on in the X-Books as far as voting and new people being shuffled around in books. Um, you know, a shout out to Polaris. It looks like my girl is leading that vote. <laughs> okay, which was shocking. Oh my God, I really, if she gets on that team and I get like Hickman, Lorna, <laughs> <laughs> Finally, I can start winning. <laughs> yeah, okay, because <laughs> you be Finally. going through it. <laughs> I won't lie when that when they released those results and I saw her name at the top, I was like, um, I was like, my friend is finally gonna get one. Okay, I was <laughs> like, I I, like, don't get me wrong, I was a little bitter, but I was like, you know what? Because I've definitely been on the ten, uh, time for tempo train. Like that is my campaign. Understandable. For oh, for sure. Um, but when I saw Polaris at the top, I was like, oh, okay. I was like, he kind of needs this. Finally, I get something. <laughs> um, but it really got me thinking, like, about DC and, like, their lineup for characters and stuff and how there should be some mix-ups with, with the rosters. Um, I don't know how well a, a vote would go over there because the last time they did that, things didn't go too well <laughs> for, um, you know, Jason Todd. But I do think that, you know, they should have some mix up. So I wanted to have this panel discussion on the Justice League and us creating our a seven member Justice League team and why. So okay. um, while I was like thinking about this, it's kind of hard to come up with a Justice League team and not include the Trinity. So my question is, do you think that do you think that you have to have the Trinity or a form of a trinity in the justice league or can you kind of mix and match them all um i do recall there being a time where um one of the marvel like editors said that in order for you to have the avengers 
you have to at least have two to three of the original like uh, six member team. So do you think that that's kind of the same thing with the Justice League? So, yeah, um, <laughs> I would be um, honest with you, you know, you know, kind of thing about this question, I've realized when it comes to the Justice League, I think I'm a little bit of a, um, a big seven snob. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like, okay. You don't and, like the switch up? And don't get me wrong, like I love a lot of the spinoff and um, Justice League teams, like Justice League Dark. I love Justice League International. I've always enjoyed them. However, when I think of like the name Justice League, I just think of the Big Seven. And it's like even now, like you say, I'm sitting here thinking of a team trying to create one without the Trinity. And like, yes, it's a lot of characters I love, but it doesn't necessarily feel like the Justice League. And so the only other thing I can kind of do to uh, supplement that would be to use the Trinity mold, but still like do, using other characters. Like I don't necessarily care for Diana that much. So I would probably use like Adana or or Yara, you know, um, I okay. don't. But then I think about like Batman and Superman. Superman outside of really like Supergirl doesn't have too many legacy characters who you can put in his place. I guess Steel, but no more really does too much with Steel. Um, and uh, uh, you could do John. I think he's older now, right? Is he? Super so I, I I thought he was still kind of like teen hero. Teen, yeah, he could be too um, young. Yeah. So I was I was I wasn't sure. Um, and then I think about like Batman, and while Batman has a lot of legacy characters. Even Nightwing, Nightwing is not necessarily a character I would put on the Justice League. You know what I mean? Yeah. I had that trouble uh, too. I thought about maybe if he could fill that role, but I was like, I don't really want to, I don't really know if I see. Right. Yeah, I don't feel right. <laughs> I don't know if I could see Nightwing like on the Justice League like that, helping them out. Yeah. Obviously, he'd be the probably the first one there to, to help out for a mission. But yeah. I don't know, him on the league proper just didn't seem right. I think that was actually like a thing um, during one of the Justice League runs where Clark, Diana, and Bruce were like choosing the new team and a picture of Nightwing came up and they're like, oh yeah, Bruce, like we definitely should ask Nightwing. And Bruce was like, no, he's not going to come. I already asked him. <laughs> he was like, he just says, no, he's not going to do it. So it's just like, it just doesn't feel like it fits. So it kind of like gets into it. It's like, if I don't have anybody to supplement Clark and Bruce for in my Trinity, it's like, well, then I kind of just have to have them there but you don't really necessarily want to see Clark and Bruce interact with too many other new people outside of Diana. Right. I think it's going to be the same. Yeah. I feel like they would, at least it would be interesting anyway, from a comic book standpoint to see these new interactions. Um, and, and although you're right, probably in the beginning, it would feel weird because that seven really is it. But I guess then my follow-up to you is who is, who is your like big seven? Cause I feel like there've been, some different iterations of them across uh, different like mediums. You know, now technically Cyborg is a part of like the original, the original yeah. team. Um, and then on the, you know, in the animated series, you know, it was John Stewart instead of yeah. Hal. So who would you consider as like your your big seven? So my big seven is Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Green Lantern, Flash, and I, so this is where I kind of say like I use the format of the big seven because that seven spot for me would be like my interchangeable spot. Like okay, that's, that's why that's where your vote come in. <laughs> yeah, like that, that that's my care. You know, that's um because in that spot I can honestly see a couple of different people who I feel like fit the Justice League but aren't necessarily a part of like that big seven crew. 
So for that seventh spot, I could put like a Black Canary or a Vixen. Yeah. Um, or a Martian Manhunter. And those all feel like people who are Justice League characters, but they're not like Cyborg. Yeah. Now you said the names of these big seven, but you didn't give their, you said the code names. Now, what do you feel like for the Justice League, are those more like, you know, roles that everybody can play? Like, uh, you know, you want the Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, but is that the, are those the characters that we know? Is it Clark Kent or is it any Superman? For the Trinity, it will probably, like I said, it will probably be like the main three. Um, Diana, I could interchange. Bruce, again, I don't think his character is like really fit. And Clark just doesn't have that many other ones. For Aquaman and the rest, I do kind of feel like they're more placeholders than you have to have the actual character. Obviously, for like the Flash, I personally would never never pick Barry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, Wally is available. Um, but then also, again, like this is where I think it gets kind of weird because you have certain characters in those roles, but they don't necessarily feel like they fit with the Justice League. Again, ideally, Nightwing would be fantastic on the Justice League, but it doesn't really feel like a place he should be. Exactly. And even if you kind of put him in the Batman kind of position, it still feels like weird. I don't know. Um, And so whereas like with Aquaman, yes, Arthur is fine in the Justice League. However, I wouldn't mind if he was switched out for Mara or even Jackson in that type of role. Okay, so you're more of the the names are just positions that can be filled by any character, but not the the typical, you know, Characters that we know those people to be. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's interesting. It's weird. I, I don't know. It's 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 weird. I guess it's just weird for the Justice League. It's like I said. It. I, I guess when I think of the Justice League, I just think of this is like that team that comes together to stop these big threats, um, and they like then go back to doing whatever they need to do. I know sometimes they try and build up the Justice League as like friends and a family and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it just never works. It just never comes off as like natural. Um, so it's just like, I think Future State Justice League got it right. It was like, they, they didn't even know each other's real names, even though they do, because they're doing it behind each other's backs. But it's like, you know, it's like, we just come together to stop this stuff and then we did. And so I think the kind of positions that the Big Seven has as that for the Justice League is all you really need. Because again, not every character will feel right, in my opinion. Yeah, I I kind of agree with that. I can see, I feel like the Justice League has such a, like, commanding name that it's always just been those big seven. Um, So anything outside of that kind of feels weird, um, or, or any kind of iteration of that that isn't at least the majority of, at least six of the big seven. Yeah. Feels, feels like, it still feels more like, heroes getting together versus an actual justice league if that makes sense and that's why i also have always kind of felt like it feels odd when you put like one of the trinity on one of the other justice league teams because the other justice league teams aren't really like that they are like actually together and that's where you'd probably get more of that family feel and things like that i think about just league international and that relaunched or revamped from steve orlando and he had like batman on the team and it was just like why is he here like this isn't I mean yeah well it's just like you know this isn't the kind of team that he deals with these aren't the threats that we need him for like he's honestly just kind of like the overbearing presence get him away 
It's like, let him go be on the main Justice League with those people who are also over there. Yeah. Now, see, I personally feel like with the Justice League, I sort of agree with the the that it needs to be like the big seven or at least at least six of the big seven. And then that last spot is interchangeable. Um, but I also think that you can kind of get away with it. But as long as you have at least the Trinity, um, yeah. I think that as long as you at least have the Trinity, then you can build a Justice League around them. And I think then it would still sort of kind of feel like a Justice League Um I, versus going the full, you know, big seven. I think that they yeah. at least can get away with it with with at least the Trinity and then going from there. And then you can kind of fill in the rest of those spots and still feel yeah. like the Justice League. So for me, if I was to actually create my own Justice League, um, I'd have the Trinity and give you Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Um, and then I would have Vixen, uh, Martian Manhunter, Zatanna and Starfire uh, be the other people okay. on the team. All the good girls. I love it. <laughs> you know, I've all, I'll, I am such a like role playing nerd. And I think, about, <laughs> I, I think about all the different, like who fills what slot and who fills what kind of position. So, you know, I try to make sure all the bases are covered with magic and cosmic and all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, my team would be, you know, Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, Starfire, Zatanna, Martian Manhunter, and then kick it off with Vixen. Although that kind of okay. sounds not too far off from like the big seven. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's, I feel like it's just like a template that's in our minds now. You know, it's been like just so kind of burning our brain, especially like when um, you know, Morrison was doing Justice League stuff, and it's just like these are the Justice League. They are the ones we look up to. They are the staples. And then there's some of the first heroes. So it's like, of course, that's going to be the role that they're in. They are the oldest. They are the wisest, blah, blah, blah. But and so it's like when you try and put new people on that, it's just like, are you supposed to be here? <laughs> it's like, who this? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel like you can get away with it with at least the Trinity. So who is... Who would be your characters that you have in your your Justice League then, if you're going with that six-member squad? Okay. So, you know, using the Trinity, I would have my Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. I would have my Aquaman in it. However, it would be Jackson. Oh, okay. My, yes. My okay. Green Lantern would be Jessica. Oh, okay. Um, I don't have a Flash stand-in. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to pick Wally? So, you know, I'm, I honestly don't really care for Wally that much. I'm honestly not big on speedsters, like, in general. Yeah, um, so <laughs> for that, I am using Vixen because... Oh, as the speedster in that role? Okay. She, okay. Can, she, can, she can turn to a cheetah or an ostrich or something, you know, run fast. Sure. Not an ostrich. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and for my seventh spot, I would use Black Canary. Oh, okay. Now, why these specific iterations of these characters? Why Black Canary um, instead of any other character? So Black Canary is like the eighth Justice Leaguer for me. You know, it's like, you know, how they have like the big That's a real, that's a good point that there, I feel like <laughs> every everybody has like someone who is that eighth Justice Leaguer. Yeah. And yeah, I could see Black Canary in that. 
And um, a lot of Justice League stories that I like really liked or that I've enjoyed, Black Canary was always a big part of those. And I really like the dynamic that she's always brought to the team. She's very level-headed. She's smart. You know, she was the chairman of the league for a brief period of time. Um, she's done her own superheroing. She's just like very well-rounded. Um, honestly- Talk about somebody that beats ass. Okay. Like, <laughs> honestly, she kind of like, she could be your Batman archetype right there. Like, <laughs> Ooh, that'd be fun. <laughs> um, if you really wanted to go down that road. So like, she is um, one who I definitely want in there. Again, Vixen is a character who feels like a Justice League character to me. Like she has a presence about her. She is famous. She's a philanthropist. She has a really strong power. She's capable. She is a big hero for me. Um, Jessica, I just... I don't know. I think I think she's a little neat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> she is fun. She's I feel like she's, you know, the newest. Well, not so much anymore now that Joe has been created, but she is the most recent uh, Green Lantern to be kind of created. And she's fun. Although I really did yeah. like that, that her becoming a Yellow Lantern. I think that, yeah. that was, I think that was fun. And honestly, I think that was like kind of what like made her jump up in my mind. I was like, oh, maybe she could just be the Yellow Lantern on the team. Because that really did sound like an interesting story for her. It I really was. Like, was. <laughs> and Jackson is Aquaman. It's, it's, I just want more Jackson. I, so I've honestly gotten to a point, despite Arthur and Zatanna actually being like my two favorite DC characters, I've kind of realized I don't like them on the Justice League. Oh, really? Why? Because they don't get uh, shine. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, um, so, so they have the most so with me i just think a lot of it kind of just like doesn't make sense for arthur like so many of the things they have to do like constantly go against atlantis and like what he's trying to build there and it's just like it feels like he doesn't have time i feel like he should never have time to be on the justice league yeah like he kind of should like of interest for him yeah like mary can honestly go do it garth can go do it like someone else can go do it like he he needs to sit down somewhere and with zaytana um a, I don't think the Justice League goes against like magic threats enough for her to make sense there. Like she's fine. Like Justice League Dark being existing for that reason is perfectly fine. I mean, she is like in the Trinity of Justice League Dark. That's like yeah. <laughs> you can't have that team without her. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then on top of that, I, I've always kind of enjoyed her like reserve status where she like when they do go against the magic, they come and grab her and like she helps and then she leaves. Because when you think about like the town kind of powerful, and it's kind of like Kinda or is. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you kind of get. She's one of those characters. Like you can face a lot of those situations with her. It's just like all right, because again, like I even think about identity crisis. Like when that happened and Deathstroke was like taking out all of the Justice League, and he was like, take out the strongest person first. And who does he go right at? Zatanna. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. You're talking about kind of like, powerful. She is, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so it's like, again, and I guess it would make sense on the Justice League because, again, the Justice League is supposed to be that team that fights like the big, impossible, powerful threats. But at the same time, it's just like magic is its whole other world. And it's not frequent Child, enough in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's just not frequent enough to her to be, for her to be in there. Yeah. Um, she but, made it on my team only because I felt like She's always, in my opinion, like kind of the go-to for the magic stuff. Again, I don't really know too much mm -hmm. of other magic characters. We'll definitely have to have a a magic panel. But um, yes. whenever I th whenever I think of the magic stuff in DC or anyone who I would want to fill that role on the Justice League, I think Zatanna. I don't think yeah. only because I feel like they they should probably have some kind of 
you know, defense against some kind of mystical threat or some kind of help with that. I mean, the Avengers have Doctor Strange. I think that, you know, Zatanna can do that. And I felt like at least she, at least in my opinion, isn't as like crazy powerful. I can snap my fingers and everything's done like uh, Dr. Fate would be. I was about to say like Dr. Fate. <laughs> yeah. As cool as I think uh, Dr. Fate looks and his like aesthetic and all that kind of stuff, like he is like crazy it's, powerful. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's a little, he's a little OD. Um, I do like the younger Dr. Fate though. He's actually pretty interesting. Oh yeah, I thought Khalid is kind of cool. I like his look or whatever. Um, I hope they actually end up keeping that around. They don't really need to go back to that old man <laughs> being Dr. Fate. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other one that I thought about having on the Justice League for me was Hawkman. Um, there were two characters actually, Hawkman and Captain Adam were two characters that I thought about having on the Justice League because I feel like we don't see too much of them. Um, and I think that they're like egos and their like ideologies and the way they view stuff would clash with the Justice League a lot. And that would be kind of interesting to see how that would go with, with the other team. Um, so Hawkman is another character who I was like, kind of like on the fence about because again, Hawkman is like, after Hawkman is a Tana, like Hawkman's up there. For so I kind of played with the idea of him on the team, but I realized that I, I don't know why I prefer Hawkman on the JSA than on the JLA. Do they fight that different level of like threats or do you just prefer like the JSA kind of characters? Because I feel like the JSA is another one that kind of has an archetype, like Black Canary is always on it. Green Arrow is always on it. There are certain characters that are kind of always on that team. I think I honestly just prefer the character dynamics that Hawkman has with the JSA over the JLA. I think about like his relationships with Bruce and Clark and Diana and all that and it's like, there's not really too much there outside of like the Ray. Um, some stuff was like Hal and Ollie. It's just like, no. And Hawkman's old. He doesn't hang out with like any younger heroes or anything like that. So it's just like, it would right, kind of be right. weird. If I had to put a Hawk character on there, it would be Hawk Girl. And it would be oh, Kendra, yes. not Shaira. Oh, okay. I like that too. Love that. Yeah. Um, and now that they're like separate characters, it works a lot easier. Um, so, oh, I didn't know yeah. that happened. They finally made, I thought that Hawk, wait, let me get this right. <laughs> I, th I thought that, I thought that Kendra was one of Hawk Girl's lives. Did I make yeah, that she, up? She I'm, okay. <laughs> so, okay. So in the Hawkman series, they basically made it so that the Hawks have not only been uh, resurrecting through time, but through like space as well. So okay. there are like multiple of them throughout all over the place. And so there was the big villain, Perpetua, I want to say her name was. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, it was all of that and whatever Snyder was doing. Basically, there was like some tear in some universe of some quasi mystical, cosmic, universal shift. And Kendra's her own person. Okay, sure. Let's <laughs> <laughs> Fine, we'll take it, whatever. <laughs> You know, um, it was sure. it was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> Snyder's just sleep was a lot. Um, but mm. the basic gist of it is that Shaira and Kendra are now separate characters, and so they can like both coexist. Okay, cool. Are they both like Thanagarian or are they just hawk people? We don't know. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, whatever. The Hawks have always had like a very like shifty, weird like history. I don't know why people get so jumbled up or want to make such a big like it's very simple. Like they resurrect themselves. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's yeah. Just, I it's feel like, like it should be that hard. Yeah. I don't know why we keep doing all these like very like convoluted, messy origins and like switching things around. It's just like it is literally the easiest thing in the world. They resurrect themselves. And like when they first started and said, oh, they resurrect through time and space. And like that was how we had um, like Katar and Carter Hall. It was mm-hmm. like, okay, perfect. That's an easy fix. That's how we had Shaira and Shira. And it's like, okay, but then it's like we had Kendra in it. And it's like, again, that still works. Mm-hmm. And then like they just kept it going. So. Sometimes but I love people, the Hawks though. They're great. I feel like sometimes they make things a little too convoluted and too like <laughs> when it, the answer is right there in your face. The simple one is fine. <laughs> we were fine where we Exactly. Um, so those are probably like two who I thought about I would love to add. Shazam is also another one. He's a he's another that I could probably like put in that like rotating seven spot space where mm-hmm. it's like he feels like he should be in the Justice League, but he doesn't necessarily have to be there. For me, he's in one that I actually don't, he's one that I don't feel like needs to be in the Justice League for me. And sometimes it feels a little off. Um, I only really like him in the Justice League when he is basically being called out for being a kid. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but, but outside of that, I feel like if you have Superman, you don't need Shazam too. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. He's I, your magic. He's your magic guy. Oh, that's right. I forgot. He's also magic, too. So much magic. <laughs> um, so with the, is it, do you prefer like a Shazam in the Justice Society on his own? Would you like prefer him on a younger team? Um, that's a good question. A he is a kid. Yeah, I feel like he always is in the like somewhere in the middle because of his age. But he, you know, Shazam's into an adult. I feel like he's fine on the league as long as there's like a a a great purpose for him to be there outside of him just being like the muscle or whatever i feel like he actually needs some kind of real reason to be there because he is a kid um but i do think that he works great also on his own and more of like a guest star for the justice league than ever actually being on the the full out squad yeah mr terrific was another who i kind of like had on my mind that i would love to put him on a league but again he's another that i realized i prefer his dynamics with the Justice Society. Mm. I don't see him like meshing well with the Justice League. You know Unless what? It's on like some type of unlimited basis. I feel something like a little bit opposite actually now that I think about it about Martian Manhunter. He's someone that I feel like for me, I wish we got a little bit more of outside of him just coming in and being cool, the cool alien with his powers. Yeah. I wish that they actually dive a little bit more into him. I know that he had a solo series recently. Um, yes. I hadn't read it. I think it was by Steve Orlando. I um, think it was. And it had art. I wanted to check it out because I remember I really enjoyed the artist. I want to say it was Marco Rudy. Oh, okay, cool. Um, well, then I'm definitely going to check that out on the DC Infinite app uh, because... I think Martian Manhunter might be for me someone who is right the fourth spot, in my opinion, of the Justice League. So you've got the Trinity, and I feel like he should be like up there right after them. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure some people will probably give that spot to the Flash, but uh, uh, I mean, whatever. Mm. <laughs> I feel like mm. Martian Manhunter should be up there. <laughs> Superman moves back. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, how did you feel about me suggesting Starfire for this My Justice League team? Do you feel like there are too many Titans that can go up to being Justice League members or do do they also feel a little bit like they are kind of cemented in their spot of, okay, I'm a Titan. That's pretty much all I'm ever really going to in, so you know, be associated with. It's interesting because I was like thinking about the Titans, obviously, after reading the other history with Karen and Mal. And then I was thinking about last week when we were reading Young Avengers. And you made the comment about how you don't want to see the Young Avengers get back together um, because it too often feels like bringing the band back together. And I've realized mm. like that's what I feel about Titans now. I exactly. Feel like we, we keep kind of getting these characters together and it's just like we're trying to relive this thing but again it's like they were kids so it's like yeah they can still be cool they can still be friends but like they're not those kids anymore they have like grown and been through these things so it never really works that way um i think starfire being on the justice league is fine i i would i wouldn't oppose i love starfire so it's like i wouldn't oppose it and it's like i think the league needs it's women I feel and like Starfire is one of the very few characters we agree on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we both are standing. <laughs> it's just like, she's, she's that she's one, the, you She's know? the girl. I'm sorry. She's just the girl. <laughs> the warlords of Okara got o- it, right? Of Okara. <laughs> uh, so, like, I would never be opposed to that. I don't, but it, Starfire is another one. Again, it's like, do I think she, like, fits the league? I don't know. But I also don't think yeah. she, but I also no longer think she fits being a Titan. That is yeah. one thing that I like. I feel about a lot of those types, like Nightwing, Donna, Garth, all of them. It's like again, like we get it. Like let them have the occasional like reunion scene at a party after all the heroes have defeated like Starro or something like that. But I don't need to see them on the team ever again. Yeah, I agree. We need to have a Titans panel because I feel like there's a lot we need to discuss <sighs> yeah. there. I mean, yeah, that's another thing, thing we gotta go. <laughs> For sure, we're gonna have to do all of that. Um, All right. So that's all I really wanted to bring up with the Justice League and this panel. I feel like they could use a bit of a mix up, but it seems like we both kind of agree that sometimes it doesn't always feel like it's a different team. I mean, currently, Bendis is basically doing what we are talking about. He with his run, the team is completely switched up. I don't even think it's Shazam. I think it's Black Adam that he's adding to the team. And instead of Wonder Woman, we have like Apollo. Very different. and then it's interesting. I've also been wondering if, like, maybe that's why I'm not excited about it. Cause it, yeah, cause it's not like the main <laughs> seven. But I want to give it a chance. Maybe this, maybe that breakthrough will kind of get people out of the mindset that if it's not the seven, it's not the league. But you know, maybe Bendis might be able to turn it around and make people think like, oh, you know, it could be whoever. I, is also, to- I also don't like big teams. Okay. <laughs> There's like 11 people on that team. You know me. I'm like Ooh, a small child, a team lot. enthusiast. Like, <laughs> yeah. honestly, like five or six is the perfect number for me. Like seven, Great. okay. Like, again, like that's that rotating seven spot. We can do whoever. We can make that work. But like six, chef's kiss. That's perfect. Yeah, I like the five to seven member squads too. Um, I didn't know he had that many people on this Justice League team. That's yeah. a lot. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. I'll check it out because I do like. I mean, I'm definitely going to have to pick up the first few issues. The Justice League Dark backup is happening in it. So I like. Oh, Um, I haven't been too wild by a lot of his DC work. I won't lie. But also he's been working on a lot of characters. I don't necessarily like get into that much like Superman. Yeah, he's doing the Legion of Superheroes. And, you know, I love, love, love them. But this run has been not that great. So um, I haven't been super blown away by his DC stuff, but I'll give it a shot. Why not? 
All right. Well, let's take a break and then we will come back for the rewatch of WandaVision episodes three and four. Oh, yeah. All right, all right. Welcome back, everybody, for um, another rewatch, uh, this time with WandaVision episodes three and four. Um, things are starting to ramp up <laughs> for Miss Wanda. <laughs> We're definitely moving. I am still enjoying the, the. it's not really even a slow burn to me. It's just the week-by-week pace of the show. It's actually like building anticipation for whatever kind of hammer drop is going to happen, you know, in those later episodes. Because I think I've heard that the last three are actually hour-long episodes. Um, so, oh, okay. I hadn't heard that at all. I just know I've been hearing everybody complain about how they're 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's because they give you, like, damn near 20 minutes of, of credits at the end. Okay. <laughs> I mean, goddamn. <laughs> um, I, I enjoyed these two episodes. I thought that, um, you know, I'm a Monica Rambo Spectrum fan. Um, I'd like to see more modern stories with her in the comics. Um, I know the whole history of her with her Avengers era and all that kind of stuff, but, um, and she's been, she's popped up a few places there, but she probably needs a solo, to be honest. Um, I'd like to see more, more of her. Okay. Um, And these last two episodes were kind of the ramp up for her. Um, That first episode, well, I should say uh, episode three, you get to, experience you know the ejection of <laughs> of her <laughs> at the end of that episode um what did you think of episodes uh three and four um i really like three I, uh, everybody knows i'm a wiccan guy so like mm. the whole like the, the twins finally kind of coming in and coming to life and getting billy and wiccan i thought that was super fun again this cast is acting like oh, they are doing, they are acting <laughs> like everyone's doing such a good job of kind of like staying in the roles and like adhering to the timeline that they're supposed to be in um the whole bits about like wanda dealing with her pregnancy and issue three and like vision trying to hide it from people and them kind of dealing with that was great i also kind of liked how you got the sense that monica kind of knew what was going on or like knew that things weren't supposed to be right with her having the baby because like she was playing along and obviously once Wanda started realizing like you know who are you you talked about Ultron and like all this stuff and there's like oh so then going into issue four and then knowing that like Monica went in there however she got in there and like has just been playing this role the whole time it's just like come on that's an agent yeah I feel like now do you then do you think that Monica didn't have her memories kind of erased do you think that she is like playing into this whole reality that Wanda has kind of made for herself. Because yeah, the, the way that I'm looking, it, look, it seems like everyone who comes into kind of close contact with the, whatever you want to call it, television sphere that she's kind of created, mm-hmm. um, their memories are either erased or she's controlling them and manipulating them somehow. But you think that, you know, Monica is aware that she is not supposed to be there. I think everyone is. In some form, oh, wow, okay. sense, you know, and okay. I think you get, and I think you that is because, like, you just think about all the other scenes and like how all the other characters have been interacted. You know, when Wanda and Vision were having dinner with the boss and his wife, and he started choking, and like she kind of had that moment of breaking where she was like t- telling Wanda, like, stop it, like, stop what's happening, like, get this under control. Um, 
again, like when Jimmy was first breaking through to wander through the radio, Dottie obviously also noticed that something was wrong. You know what I'm saying? It's like she kind of seemed timid, like she didn't want to comment. And even again on this episode, episode three, where Vision is talking to Agnes and Phil, I think his name is. Um, And, you know, they're like, oh, Geraldine is not from around here. She doesn't have a home because, you know, we're all like, I feel like everybody kind of knows that like something is going on and they kind of know that Wanda is. the. Yeah, Um, I'm still holding strong to my Avenger standoff theory. <laughs> because, <laughs> you were right on with Jimmy Woo. You said you thought that was him on the radio. I did think that that was Jimmy Woo that was on that radio before. And sure enough, we find out in episode four, we actually experienced him trying to communicate with Wanda in there. So that was his voice on the radio. And I don't know, this still is giving me very much um, Avenger standoff with Wanda kind of being Kobik. When, and I believe in that, in that comic story, Kobik like, started to like all the the villains and stuff that were in Pleasant Hill. So in order to keep everyone there, she would like keep alter their memories or do whatever she has to do to kind of keep the quote unquote peace for her yeah. and keep her friends around. And I'm starting to think that this is WandaVision is like a mix of the Scarlet Witch and Vision story from like I think the 70s or 80s, like their their first uh yeah uh title together. And and Avenger standoff with this whole town. And I think that these people are there because they were all either grieving of loss or something like that. And she was also grieving there and her powers obviously are getting out of control. So in order for her to cope with all the loss that she's been experiencing, she created TV shows (laughs) because that's where everything is fixed and resolved in 30 minutes at the end of it. And you know, everything gets put back to place next season so i think everything there is is really is happy for her um but i I feel like i feel like monica i feel like monica was probably fighting the control i'm not sure if she was in in control completely like when she was in that in the 60s i believe it was on episode two or something when during Mm -hmm. the magic show um you know she was like Wanda said, oh, hi, I'm Wanda. And it looked, took her a second to kind of figure out her name. And I feel yeah. like she wanted to wanted to remember that her name, her real name was Monica, but kind of the spell took over and then she was just okay. jolting. I can see that. I've seen a theory. I don't know if you've noticed, but like there were a couple of times where something went through the barrier and there was a sound that was made. It was like, like a little zap sound. Yeah, it happened um, like when the first airplane kind of went through. It happened when Monica went through. Um, and someone brought it to my attention that it happened like when the beekeeper guy was coming through the SWAR agent. And they were saying that at that time that that happens, Wanda tends to hear something in like the episode. Like the first time, um, you know, remember when her and Vision were in the bed and they like heard the trees. And it was oh, like yeah. making all this noise and stuff like that. And then, you know, like they, they heard the trees again and it was louder. And they were saying like that was the time when they sent the plane through. And then when Monica went through, they think that or they feel that that is kind of alerting Wanda that someone's broken the barrier. Oh, that's a good theory. I didn't even realize that. And I think you're right. Those sounds that she's been hearing um, that she that Wanda can't explain that we've seen in previous episodes have definitely been the attempts at everyone on the outside trying to get in. Um, I did love the 
um, little drones that were used. Um, they had the Captain Marvel you. colors. <laughs> 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 I appreciated that. And um, I can't remember her name right now. I'll have to look it up. But the writer for episode three is actually writing Captain Marvel 2. So I hope that oh, you wow. know, <laughs> things look great because I actually really enjoyed um, Captain. I'm sorry. I really enjoyed uh, that episode. I thought that the way that Monica was at the end of that episode and her and Wanda really going off of each other. And she was like, oh, you know, I do think that like, I'm just here to help or whatever. Um, I wonder if Monica was starting to figure out that it was Wanda and probably just mm -hmm. got too close to the, to the problem. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. she got too close obviously. And then Wanda was like, oh no bitch, you got to go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I also really love the whole scene of her kind of like, shunting her out of the sphere, like out of the house and like into the thing like, oh no, you got to get out of here. That, that, that was really good. It was a nice little showing of her abilities. And it was the first time we've actually seen the red spheres, the hex bolts, right? Uh, I mean, we saw them in uh, Infinity War. She was throwing them in. in well, no, I mean like since since this series. Oh, three. since then. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that was the first time we had really seen her actually use her hexy chaos yeah. magic powers. Um, I did think that that entire scene with her and Monica in the end after she had her kids and the switch that Elizabeth Olsen did in like her voice when she was like, you know, I had a twin and yeah. all that kind of stuff. I was like, Ooh, this is acting. <laughs> <laughs> Homegirl is giving. <laughs> um, I was very, I was very into that. And like, it felt very chilling. And when they did basically like the retelling of that um, and we actually saw the, the full-on conversation that she had with Monica and she told her I'm in episode four, you know, like, who are you? Um, no, you're not my friend and you're not my neighbor. You don't belong here. I was like terrified. I was like, <laughs> Monica, Monica, <laughs> yeah, she girl, was, like, really scared. <laughs> it's, it's like Wanda says, like, I'm not the one you want to mess with. Mm -mm. Yes. I was like, Monica girl, she, she crazy. Scarlet Witch ruins things. So run. Mm -hmm, she does. <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel about like episode four and then kind of just being a fill in of them showing what's been going on and how they're like figuring out, you know, they were actually the ones watching the TV and like seeing Darcy again and all that? Uh, you know, for me, I felt like that was great. I think that that was what we needed at this moment. I don't think we needed another another sitcom episode right now because the past three at that point kind of had been. We had been in the different eras. We had done the whole um, we're watching Wanda's uh, sitcom or whatever she's envisioned for herself. Um, so I'm glad that we didn't just get the another 70s episode I think they would have done or the 80s yeah. or whatever. Um, I'm glad that we actually peeled back the curtain and we used, you know, Monica to really go off and show us exactly what had been going on with this fear. And they showed her how she even got back. You know, we saw in the beginning of episode four, how she had been snapped away and then she snapped back and we see what happened to her mom and how she died of cancer. And she was also the, one of the like founders of S.W.O.R.D., which I think was a really yeah, cool idea. That was that really was, cool. That was really cool to have uh, Maria Rambo be like the founder of S.W.O.R.D., which makes sense that, you know. Exactly. And with everything that happened to Captain Marvel, that that's what of something that she would have done. I mean, she was, on a mission hand in hand with Nick Fury. Like, <laughs> like she, we knew she was going to be doing something else. Something <laughs> she big. wasn't going to sit at home anymore. 
<laughs> Hell no. Um, so I thought that that was really cool that she was a founder of Sword. Um, you know, and it it really made me think though in the beginning of episode four when um she's got this missing persons case that she's been given by by the now director of Sword, even though she feels like she should have been the director of Sword, and by she mm-hmm. I mean Monica. Um, what she should have been, but. Monica is driving towards Westview and there is an exit, like a sign for Westview for them to get off there. But when they get there, they the police officers don't think that this is a real city. But like, like no, that's we're from Eastview. Yeah. So like I want to know what was going on there because now, you know, I don't really get down with the magic stuff. So I don't know how it all works. But <laughs> if I was a magically inclined bitch. And I was trying to keep people trapped or keep my own, like, you know, uh, area when I was doing one to do whatever I wanted to do. I wouldn't put up a sign that said, come and find me here. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't give directions to Westview. So I'm trying to figure out what's really going on there. Or then it's also a thing like, um, can they can other people even see the sign? You know, Jimmy and Monica made some comment or I think Monica made a comment about like how her and Jimmy could both feel like the weird energy that was in the area but it didn't seem like the cops or anybody else could so I wonder if that also has something to do with it but I, I Jimmy doesn't have powers in the comics I don't think yeah Jimmy doesn't have any powers he's just yeah he was like a top shield agent and then like kind of the people's go-to for a bunch of different stuff I think currently he is with uh the agents of Atlas I think he might be mm-hmm. like their like their Nick Fury uh, for that team or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also don't think that Monica has any powers yet because um, she is one of very few like prominent black female characters that they have. Yeah. They're not just going to give her her powers and we didn't see it. <laughs> like, like <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're going to want to show us her actually getting her powers. And Well, I, 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 I wonder that. if it's more so of like, for Jimmy, I have no explanation, but for her, I wonder if it's more so like an inkling of like the powers that in there, she just doesn't know that she has them yet. Yeah, yeah, that it could be something that's coming. I mean, they brought up, you know, cosmic radiation and elect- like wavelengths and all that kind of stuff oh. a lot <laughs> in, in episode four. So I was like, oh, they're definitely gearing up towards yeah. something. My theory for how she gets her powers is they talked a lot about or at least Darcy in this episode said like, you know, there's a lot of this cosmic radiation that's being like uh, put off from this from this field. Um, we don't know what's going on, but then she like isolated some of the radiation to get a radio wave. Um, they kept bringing that up and that makes me think that they are probably going to, in order to get through that radiation, they're probably gonna like come up with a suit or something and have mm-hmm. Monica put the suit on to go back inside because she has already been in there before and I could see her getting caught in some some explosion or something. You know how they do with the superheroes. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know. It's always an explosion. <laughs> it is always an explosion. So I think that either she'll be in some kind of suit which will probably resemble her spectrum or photon costume or something like yeah. that. And that'll allow her to kind of go through the field and something will probably go off or whatever. Um, and I could see that baby being the way that she gets her powers. That's just my guess, but I don't really know okay. for sure. I'm into it. Yeah, we'll see. I'm really, like I said, I've been really, really enjoying this this series. It wasn't something that I was extremely excited for as far as phase four goes. Um, but 
I've been liking a lot what they've been doing. Everybody's been acting their ass off on this. This looks like an actual budget <laughs> for a TV show. Um, it doesn't look cheap at all compared to the other like superhero TV shows. Um, I'm very, very much into this. How did you feel about the scene where, you know, we had the flashback to after Wanda kicked Monica out of the house and out of the sphere and like Vision kind of comes back in and we see his dead body form, like no gem in the head. Do you think it's kind of like, it's just something that she saw or do you think whatever she's doing, she's kind of like running around with this dead body? I don't think she's running around with a dead body because I think that's doing too fucking much. <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I do, I could probably see something like that happening. Although, like I said, I, I don't think that's what's happening. I think that um, as Wanda is using a lot of her abilities to control this town and everything that is happening around her, I think, you know, she just had kids. I think that that was a moment of her not having complete control over her environment. And um, she just saw this dead body. I'm, I'm sorry, his dead body, his dead head with the gem going or whatever. She That was something she saw, but like he isn't, it's not like his dead body is there. Like it's, he's still around. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's actually like real. Okay. Yeah. At least I think. Yeah. I don't know what I don't really know what's really going on with Vision. I think he might be real. Only because he is he is also like kind of breaking free of, of things around him where he's like, I don't think any of this is supposed to be happening. He um, definitely has some moments of clarity. Yeah, even at the ep- the end of episode four when Wanda was like, oh, what should we watch? And they're like holding the kids. The look on his face was like, no, he had what a weird did I face. get? Okay. <laughs> I thought I was imagining that. And I was just like, I was like, he's like kind of looking like something ain't right here. But I was yeah. like, maybe I'm just making too much of it. No, the look on his face after she like walked away was very much like, what did I get involved in? <laughs> yeah, he, knew he knew something bad had happened. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm excited to see what they kind of do next. I think the next episode, they're going to go back to another um another eight i think it's the 80s probably uh where Mm -hmm. we'll get to see whatever kind of 80s sitcom that they do but we will start to see way more of what's happening on the outside of the dome compared to what's happening on the inside of the dome like those first few episodes um so like with your situation of like you know you think it's wanda is kind of like the kobig in this this whole scenario do you think there's still someone kind of influencing her to do these things or do you think she's just kind of lost control and it's just making it happen I think that she's just kind of lost control and just making it happen. However, I do think that there are people around her who who didn't expect to be wrapped up in her mess. (laughs) Um, So like everybody else, I do think I do think Agnes is Agatha Harkness. I'm just going to go ahead and say that I think that she's Agatha Harkness, but I don't think that she came to Westview like looking for something or anything like that. I think that she was she was there for a different mission and then a different purpose, but just ended up getting kind of wrapped up in whatever kind of TV dome thing that Wanda has going on there. I think that it's something like that. And how are you feeling about like the whole exploration of Wanda's powers and like them growing to what they are? Are you like, because I know that's been like a thing for a couple of people where they kind of feel like it's jumped up a little bit much, but again, like we've kind of been seeing her struggle with her control and her powers and what she can do and never really knowing her entire MCU career I feel like for me anyway I'm okay with it because that tracks with her in the comics (laughs) like um 
her, you know, her powers have been whatever <laughs> they were ever going to be. They've changed so many times. It started off with uh, like she could throw these hex bolts and they were probability manipulation. And then it became chaos that. magic. Yeah. But then I feel like for me, it streamlined everything when it became chaos magic because having probability or warping powers ends up being kind of convoluted and messy when you can just say that it's magic <laughs> like just i like probability powers <laughs> like and just... I, thought, I think i think about um how they kind of did it in the ultimate universe with one of mm-hmm. her probability where she actually had to do like the mathematic equation for it and it's like the harder the equation like the harder it was for her to like actually have the outcome happen that makes sense. I like that kind of limitation to her powers. I just felt like the hex, if you're throwing hex, hex bolts and stuff, like just call it magic. <laughs> <laughs> you're just doing magic, girl. <laughs> um, so I, I was okay with it in the show. Like I know that they they never really quite defined exactly what she could do. Um, I know that in Age of Ultron, um, Maria Hill was like, you know, oh, she's telekinetic and neural empathic interfacing and all this other kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, she's Jean telekinetic Grey. and Jean Grey. But I, I've always felt like those are powers that are under the like umbrella of chaos magic. So it's not like she wasn't doing anything that wasn't already in her wheelhouse. She could do this. I think it's slowly she's learning. She's been doing it. What she's been doing has is now being done in a different way, but it's the same thing, or at least being explained yeah. in a different way. Okay. So, I can understand yeah. that. I like it. I'm loving it. I'm loving WandaVision so far. I, like you said, I was kind of with you in the sense that I, I really wasn't super excited for it. Of course, I was going to watch it, watch everything. Um, but Wanda and Vision, I don't know. It was just not really doing it for me in the excitement department. But I've really been enjoying the series. And I'm really liking what they're doing with it. I'm excited to continue on the story with Wanda and figure out like what's going on. And you think it'll make you a Wanda fan? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I like I MCU Wanda a lot more than I was about to say, Wanda. I like I like MCU Wanda. Like I like mm-hmm. I enjoy MCU Wanda a lot. Scarlet Witch in the comic books is not my cup of tea. She's not my kind of girl. She's actually kind of a bad person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know how I feel about her. So. <laughs> She's um, derailed a lot of my faves. So uh I feel like oh, yeah. I don't know if she has I feel like we've already done the redemption stuff with her, but I don't know. I, I feel like they could just- I think she's she could be fixed. Like she's she's like a hero. She's a good person in the sense that she's a hero, but it's like I don't think she's like a good person in the heart. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I mean, like I've said, she's ruined too much of my fave. So, <laughs> <laughs> so hey, um, do you think? What do you think about like the Billy and Teddy thing and the twins? Do you think we're going to continue to see them, or are we going to kind of get like a little bit of that? disassemble they disappear once the illusion is broken that's a good question you know i do think that we're gonna see them grow um i do think that we're gonna see them like be a little older because she's about to jump to the next decade and i think that um you know that there's no way you have these kids and they just aren't around anymore i think i don't think that they are gonna make it out of this show (laughs) i think that i think that there will probably be a a uh billy and tommy out there like i post right. all of this or whatever um but i don't think that 
I don't think that they're going to make it out of this. I think that they're going to be lost to the void. And that's probably what's going to make her really, really snap. Got it. Okay. Or same with Vision. She may have to kill him again. And that'll probably also make her like snap. So she's going to snap some way. That's what I'm just not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the snap is going to happen. She's, <laughs> no, she's unhinged. <laughs> yeah. Still a great show. Like I said, I've, I'm really enjoying this. Um, I liked which of the episodes you think you liked more, episode three or four? I preferred three. Four was fine. I, again, I enjoyed it kind of showing us what was going on on the outside. But at the same time, I'm also ready to a point where I'm like kind of ready, really start getting into the town and figure out what's going on and how Wanda's doing all of this stuff. Yeah, I think I liked four a little bit more than three, only because I got more Monica. So there's a little bit of bias there. Uh, <laughs> um, but I will say that um, I do prefer to find out more about what's inside the bubble than literally outside. I just want yeah. to see, you know, what's going on with WandaVision <laughs> then exactly. how everybody's kind of like break into it. Um, but it's like I said, it's still four was a great place to go because I, I do think we could have gotten a little bit over it if we would kept getting these kind of sitcom nods and yeah. these sitcom episodes. Nice so, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for the next one. I also did like the scene of like Jimmy when they first kind of figured out what was going on in town. He's like writing all the theories and the questions up on the board and stuff like that. And like a lot of the mm -hmm. questions he was writing were things that the fans have been asking for the show. I was yeah, like, that was a nice good. little moment. Did you notice that he nailed his card trick? So in, <laughs> I think in Ant-Man, um, or I think it was Ant-Man and the Wasp, he was like, yeah, he was like fumbling with his, these cards and he wanted to be a magician. And like in this one, he finally got it. I thought that was a cool nod. That, like, very, like they do it. They, they yeah. I don't know if they like write it down and just got like a board that just connects everything. Say, we're going to remember this, but that was <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's what I mean where I like the Marvel universe where it feels lived in and stuff like that. Everyone doesn't have to appear everywhere, but if you have this kind of continuity, it's nice to have that you like respect it and kind of pay attention to it and stuff like that. I, I appreciate moments like that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, y'all. Well, tell us what you guys think about WandaVision. Um, we've been having a great time watching it. I know I have. Um, so definitely give us your comments. Um, that brings us to the end of the show. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Another Relaunch. Um, you can email us your own suggestions, characters you want to hear us relaunch, um, any kind of stuff you want to send over. Um, we love that stuff. So at another relaunch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe us on P Apple Podcasts and all that kind of stuff out there um, wherever you get your podcasts to so leave us comments, uh, rate, all that kind of stuff, subscribe. You can find me at Uncanny LZ on most social media accounts. I'm out, I'm out there somewhere, y'all. <laughs> Kenan, where can they find you? You can always find me at Kenan Lance with an underscore at the end. Fantastic. All right, y'all. I'm ready um, for next week. I, are, are you, we're going to be getting back to a relaunches next week. Yeah. Relaunch next week. Yeah. Yeah. We so relaunch like, stuff next week. <laughs> really excited for that because the character I want to do, I've actually been wanting to do for a while. And Ooh. it's funny because I like kind of had to have mine. I was like, I don't even want to talk about WandaVision because I want to get this relaunch out there. Yeah. But no, it's coming next week. I'm ready. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm going to hold you to it now. So now I'm looking forward to who you got to relaunch. Right. <laughs> All right, y'all. Uh, we will catch y'all later. All right. I'm out of here. Bye. Bye. Mm-hmm.